Welcome in. This is your BMW Championship live chat. The next hour or maybe a little bit more is your time. Whatever you want to talk about. I'm Rick Gaiman. I'm going to be showing you everything on my site, rickrungood.com to break down the BMW Championship to the best of my abilities. And this tournament is, or this live stream, is brought to you by our friends over at Jock Market. That is Stock Market DFS. I love it. There is a power hour this evening, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, uh, right here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, and I'll talk more about them in just a bit. But let's not waste any more time. Uh, let's get into the questions, and I'll go through as many of these as possible. Leo says does justin thomas have the length to really compete here does driver distance give it an edge to xander interesting in general i think that that jt does but uh there's a couple things we can do here we can go over to the holy grail we can go and we can sort this by um let's say what do you want to say your uh, course is over 7500 yards because that's basically what we're dealing with uh this week and if we take every single player in this field and sort by strokes gain total, John Rahm is the best. Rory McIlroy is number two. Justin Thomas is number three. Let's mine into some of those recent results. Uh, let's see. U.S. Open, he finished T19. PGA Championship missed the cut. Wells Fargo, T26. Here we go. I mean, three of his wins are on courses longer than 7,500 yards. Now, two of them are the Tournament of Champions, which, of course, Kapalua does not play to that distance, right, because of all the undulation. But, um, I mean, Shadow Creek? I, I mean, he's got some he's got some okay results outside of Kapalua, doesn't he? This is basically an all-Kapalua stat. The other ones aren't as good, but uh, everybody's going to have those results as well. Xander Shoffley is, is fifth on this list of... Uh, players on courses that are 7,500 yards or longer. One and done, says Zach. He's choosing between Finau, Smith, and Xander. I'm thinking I should say Finau for the championship and the strokes and use Cam this week. So you're just not going to use Xander at all? Seems like a um, seems like a mistake to leave Xander Shoffley, especially at a no-cut event, kind of in, in the holster. Uh, I agree saving Finau because he is now actually you could argue that saving Finau or Smith is better because uh if you're using the starting strokes they're going to be I think they're currently one two let me check no they're one and three Finau's one Smith is three I, I I'm not sure why you wouldn't use why you wouldn't use Xander right now that's probably the route that I would go Hank says now that you've probably learned more about the course since your DFS preview that is correct what stats have grown on you so from what I understand uh we got boots on the ground at Caves Valley I think it was maybe a little bit uh overblown about where some of these fairways pinch in my understanding my understanding is that these fairways are uh fairly easy to hit the rough somewhere between two and three inches long doesn't appear to be as penal so earlier in the week I was very much on board with this playing a little bit more difficult than what people wanted to give us credit for. Um, maybe not, maybe not because it seems like these guys are going to be able to take advantage of it. I just still think that with the risk reward aspect, we are going to get um, a, a large range of scores. You're going to get some guys going really low. You're going to get some guys that are really, really struggling. Evan says three plays, two spots for outrights JT at 20 speed at 20 Brooks at 25. Um, and I do want to do a little bit of a deeper dive later into some of the bets and 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 one and done and head to head stuff because I did not make a video this week because we ended on Monday and everything was kind of thrown off. But this is the tournament predictor tool. I simulate the event uh, one thousand times, and these are the results. Uh, Jordan Spieth did win my simulation. 
Evan, um, the second most uh, behind John Rom. However, I I really do think proceeding with caution uh, is is the way to go with him because of the driver that we saw on the weekends, uh, rounds three and rounds four. Technically, I guess Saturday and Monday at at um, in Jersey City at Liberty National. So that is it's concerning. I would probably chop him. I like the Brooks twenty five to one number and JT. Um, you know, we can talk about JT a lot and he's already coming up in a lot of questions. So I imagine this is going to continue to come up. He is a foreshadower, right? And I've talked about this all the time. Justin Thomas does not come out of, out of nowhere to win golf tournaments. He really doesn't, you know, you look at his win before the players, his starts before that were, uh, he missed one cut in there, but it was 12th, 3rd, 13th, 15th. It was 4th at the Masters before that. It was runner-up at the Zozo before that. He foreshadows this. Um, you know, you go back a little bit further. He missed the cut. In the in the week before the travelers, but uh, uh, two top twenties before that, he he just uh, when he won the tournament of champions, he finished first at or fifth at the at the Hero World Challenge, leading up to it, seventeenth at the Zozo. He just foreshadows it, and we're seeing it right now, which is usually a pretty good sign. So I don't think I can get rid of him, and I don't think I can get rid of uh, Brooks at twenty five to one. Stars and scrubs approach are evenly balanced. Um, I think earlier in the week, and and for the past couple of weeks, I've been very much on a stars and scrubs approach with the idea that. You get uh, two guys at the top that have a lot of win equity. And when you look at John Rahm, for example, he eats up a lot of the win equity. He eats up a lot of the implied win equity if you're going to try to bet him at five and a half or six and a half to one. Uh, so you can get him and someone else at the top. And and the guys in the $6,000 range, they're not so bad, right? You know, I've mentioned Hudson Swafford countless times this week. Even a, a Carlos Ortiz or a Max Homa or an Aaron Wise or a Harry Higgs. Like, I don't mind any of these guys. They all have, have played well enough because that's the nature of this event that we're getting into. Uh, I don't feel as strongly about that as I did last week because – with the nature of the event and the bottom being deep, the middle is also very, very deep. So you get guys like Scotty Scheffler at 8,900, Daniel Berger at 9,000. This is a really compelling way to create your lineup. So I think if I was making a thousand lineups, I would probably do 600 of them kind of stars and scrubby 400 of them um, balanced builds, right? That way it's, I just, I just lean a little bit towards the stars and scrubs. Kevin Na in a no cut event. Interesting. You certainly don't have to worry about uh, where he's going over the course of uh, the weekend. He's going to be on site, really good bent grass putter. And he has been, you know, I always worry a little bit about uh, how reliant he is on his short game, gaining a ton of strokes around the green, gaining a ton of strokes on the green, and that his ball striking hasn't been good. But what he at least does do is he can catch fire with his irons. You know, it, twice in his last, what is that, seven starts, he's gained six and a half strokes on approach or more. There's probably few guys who can say that. Now, he's also likely to lose you four lose you three, lose you two, but even the upside there in the ball striking categories, it makes me a little a little happier knowing how reliant he is on the short game that at least he can pile it on in other places. Logan says, do you adjust your core cascading method for the playoffs for higher amounts of single entries? How should you approach lineup construction? Uh, no, I don't generally change the core cascading method. Just understand that as we go through the playoffs here, so you're basically going to have... Um, a little less than 10% of the field is going to be in every single one of your lineups, right? Six of 69 golfers are going to be in your lineups. When we go to next week and it's six out of 30, what's that? You're having, you have 20% of the field in your lineups 
it's crazy. So, so what you really have to be cognizant of, especially in single entries, is the ownership and not being overly chalky. You're going to start to see these numbers pumping up, especially next week. You know, next week, the baseline is going to be uh, like 20% right? 20% is going to be like your average ownership when this week it's probably closer to 8% uh, if everyone were kind of equally owned. So uh, you really need to pay attention to that uh, this week and especially next week. Next week, I'm going to have some cool videos, some cool tools. Um, it, it, it's a different animal. It's a completely different animal. What's DJ's ownership looking like? And tell me why I'm wrong for saying he's going to win this week. Uh, well, he's 11% owned. So I have him kind of right in the middle of the, the 10K range. There's a couple of guys who I project a little bit lower. And then there's a couple of guys that I project um, a, a lot higher. Uh, I get. I, I don't know what the case for Dustin Johnson winning is other than long-term pedigree, right? You look at him and he's got 24, 26 wins on the PGA Tour. He is the opposite of Justin Thomas, where he does not foreshadow anything. And he is actually one of the more difficult studs to predict. Um, so if if that's what you're hanging your hat on, I understand. But uh, this is a, kind of a really ugly stretch of golf this entire year for Dustin Johnson. Him losing strokes off the tee and on approach at the Northern Trust is the first time he's done that in both categories since the 2019 Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, you know, it is it, the last time he did it before that 2016 PGA Championship. I think he did it one more time. Here it is. Shell Houston in 2014. So it's rare. The argument would be he bounces back. I'm not as optimistic just because I've seen him play whack-a-mole all year long. Um, I'm, 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 I'm scared. I got to admit it. I'm scared. Who outside the top 30 do you see likely finishing inside the top 30 this week? So here are the FedEx Cup standings. And you got to remember, um, while there's some guys on the bubble here that I think are, are, are noteworthy, um, generally there's not a lot of movement. I think last week only seven guys from the outside of the top 70 played themselves in. We might only see three or four this week. That might be a lot. So we're kind of really, when you start getting down past like 37, 38, 39, uh, with the way that the 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 uh, FedEx Cup points are heavily weighted towards the top of the board, one of these guys is going to have to go out and probably finish inside the top five to move up. Cam Davis probably has to move up into the top five. Um, I speaking of Cam Davis, that's probably the guy that I would circle there. You know, he is uh, when you guarantee him four rounds, he can make a lot of birdies, he can make a lot of eagles. This is a course that, as the week has gone on, my understanding is that fairways are getting easier to hit and rough is getting less penal. That's a really good spot for Cam Davis. Um, I would if if I only had to circle one of these guys, it would it would probably uh, be him. Hey, Rick, great, great content for, the, uh, wow, I can't read. Hey, Rick, great content on this short week. Thank you. Uh, in single entry, could you rank these players in your order of preference? Scheffler Burns answer. Let me look at their ownership real quick, because remember in single entries, ownership really, uh, the, the chalky guys get even chalkier. So Scheffler only 9.1%. That's kind of shocking to me. Sam Burns 20. Oof. So in single entry, he's probably going to be closer to 30. And then answer is 4.5. Okay. So I'd probably go uh, Scheffler answer Burns. And I really like Burns. He's very volatile, but I'm not sure I love being on a very volatile golfer who is uh, likely going to be 28 to 32% owned. Answer 4.5%. That's a joke. You know, he just got his start uh, since the win. And that's all good. I like to get that first start under his belt. He can kind of refocus and reset. And then Scheffler, I tweeted this out just a little bit ago. So if you're not following me on Twitter, what, what are you doing? Um, it's at Rick run good. And I just added more data to this. Literally since I tweeted, I added three more years of data into this Holy grail. So 
what I'm actually going to do is this. I'm going to do, I'm going to clear the yardage thing and I'm going to go with strength of field over 700. This is an official world golf, uh, world golf rankings calculation. And this week, I believe the field strength is 719, 713, something like that. When you start getting over 700, that is your major championships. It is your, uh, WGC events. It's your playoff events and just sort by the best players in those fields. And it's Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, John Rahm. No surprises there. Scotty Scheffler is next. Scotty Scheffler has actually been better in these tough fields than Brooks Kepka. Now, Kepka has four times uh, the number of rounds, so that's going to normalize. Scheffler only has 65 rounds in, in these situations, but look at these results. You know, since the two cuts that he missed, and I'm not even sure he was a pro, so he missed the cut in 2016 at the U.S. Open, missed the cut in 2019 as the U.S. Open at the U.S. Open. He might have been an am in 2016. He almost certainly was, right? 2019 probably would have been, he might have been an amateur then too, out of Texas. I can't, once the 2020 season happens, I can't remember when these guys turned pro. But since then, he's only missed one cut. That's not going to be a problem this week. He has a lot of top 25, a lot of top 10, a lot of top five finishes. Uh, he seems to really play well when, when the best in the world get together. So that's why I would rank them as I did. Jeffrey says, best hour of my week. Thank you. Could you please inform us how many guys will golf in desperation and finish top five or since desperation or since desperate totally go up in flames? Uh, oh, apparently there's a term for this in NASCAR called checkers or wreckers. It's pretty slick. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess really the guys that are going to have to do something special are 45 and out. Like they're gonna have to really do something special. Uh, the ones that are capable of doing something special I would note Russell Henley and I would note Webb Simpson and maybe Paul Casey guys with legitimate winning upside. I'm just kind of looking through here. I think that's the short list. Um, Henley. I, I really like, and I thought there was a question about Henley coming. Maybe I, I don't know if I missed it. So I, I can get to Henley later, but those would be the three that I would look at Jeffrey. Shalom Rick. Thank you. Could you do a quick dive on Aaron wise? He seems to be racking up DK points, even if he doesn't play well. And I thought I saw somewhere he has performed better in no cut events. Well, if only there was a way to look up how golfers do in no cut events. Well, let's see. Uh, let's do Aaron wise in cut events. Let's start there and I'll get rid of the strength of field situation. Again, if you're not using rickrungood.com. I rarely plug it. I guess I plug it all the time, but you get my point. In cut events, he's averaging about a half a stroke gained per round, about a half. In no cut events, he's a little bit better. Yeah, he hasn't played many of them. Uh, let's be real here. He's only played five. So he's played Mexico, WGC Mexico, T19, Tournament of Champions, T27, although that's out of a field of like 32. He actually lost a ton of strokes to the field that week. Tour Championship, that's 30. He finished T15. BMW Championship, a couple of years ago, T16, and then the Bridgestone, T6. So this is kind of a mixed bag. I would not necessarily say he's, he's that much better in no-cut events. Uh, however, if we just want to look at what he's been up to recently, we can certainly do that. And... um the good news is he's been a, a pretty decent ball striker coming off a of T21 at the Northern Trust. I worry about this column right here. He is horrendous uh, on the putting surface. But, but, but the good news is he's not Sergio Garcia where he just lose five strokes every week. Three of his last six measured events, he's actually gained over two and a half strokes putting. So that is at least what I call volatile in a good way, right? That's, that's something um, I should probably be on a t-shirt. 
Um, but volatile in a good way is is something that I think Aaron Wise possesses. I'm I'm probably not going to get there on him this week, but at 6,300, that's that's not bad. Hey Rick, do you know if the rough is going to be penal? Uh, two to three inches. I understand it is not going to be as diff- as as difficult as I think it was, or as I thought it was earlier in the week. In oh, my favorite Oklahoma State golfer this week in regards to price and ownership: Hovland, Norin, and Gooch. Okay, so here's what we can do. Um, let's just compare these guys. So Hovland, again, if you hold Control or Command on a um, Mac, you can you can get multiple golfers in here. So we can kind of compare these guys. And let's just do 2021 season. Uh, obviously, Hovland's been much better, but he's 9,100. Um, the argument, you probably can't. Man, Norin would be the play if you wanted some high-risk, high-reward option. He has missed a lot of cuts, uh, but he offsets the missed cuts with kind of T4s and stuff like that and, and a little bit of upside. Gooch is probably a safer play when you consider his price. He's only missed one cut dating back to the Wells Fargo championship. He doesn't have nearly the upside that Alex Norin does. And then Hovland's just by far the best player. So it kind of depends on what you want here. If you want volatility, it's Norin. If you want something a little bit safer in salary cap relief, it's Gooch. If you want a guy with legitimate win equity at a lower price than his other studs at the top, it's probably Victor Hovland. Real quick, this is brought to you by Jock Market. If you have not downloaded Jock Market, uh, you're crazy. You should use the code RICK. It is going to give you up to a $50 deposit bonus. It is the best uh, available deposit bonus that is out there. Uh, in the last 14 weeks on the PGA Tour, zero 54-hole leaders have converted. Zero. 0 for 14. Uh, as someone who has held an outright ticket on at least two or three, maybe more than that of those guys, um, it's devastating. And, uh, and, and for my troubles after the event, I had, I had nothing. Um, but in jock markets, uh, that is not necessarily the case. So John Rom, if you were a buyer of John Rom last week and you bet him in an outright market, you, you got nothing in return. Uh, if you paid the $10 and 16 cents for John Rom per share in IPO last Wednesday, he returned you a profit of $7 and 84 cents a share. If you had 10 shares, $78. If you had a hundred shares, $784 in profit. So a really different way to play. It is the only place in the world. And someone, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really the only place in the world, the only market that's out there for fantasy sports where all you're asking your athlete to do is outperform their expectation. You know, some guy's expectation this week is like 42nd place. If they finish 20th or 23rd or 25th, you make money. Um, and it's really the only place that you can get that. So I really, really like it because you don't have to take a stand on an outright. You don't have to take a stand on a top five, top 10. You just have to say, this guy's not being priced accordingly. If you join Joe Idonia and myself tonight at 8.15 PM Eastern time on the Rick run good YouTube channel, um, we are going to do the power hour where we're going to give away a hundred dollars. We are going to talk through strategy for this week. It's a really great way to get into it. Uh, and of course with the tour championship coming up and football's coming up, I know I don't talk about football often. Um, it is definitely worth your while. Hey, Rick, are you at all concerned about Rory saying he's, quote, a little jaded, a little tired? There's been a lot of golf, a lot of travel. I'm not that concerned, no. I think I think there's a lot of uh, coach talk, right? There's a lot of just, he can say whatever he wants. Uh, he will figure out, he'll, he'll figure it out. I, no, I, I'm not, I generally don't let, Quotes from players to the media impact me too much. 
I just, I just don't, we don't know what these guys are thinking. We don't know how they're actually feeling. There are so many times where someone wakes up on Thursday morning, feels a lot better, uh, feels a lot worse. It's just really hard to parse through and quantifying it is almost impossible. And that's what I love to do. Chris says, Hey Rick, love the shows. Watch every week. Thank you. Especially at the no cut events. If you could show the optimal lineup from the previous year, I think it would help in lineup building. All right. Well, so I don't have the optimal lineup handy, but if you are a member of rickrungood.com, you can always go to the Holy Grail, go to the fantasy data tab, go to last year, which would have been 2020 and the tournament, which would have been the BMW championship. And we can figure this out together because we can sort by draft Kings points and we can look at their salaries. Whoops. I think I double clicked. I did. So here we go. John Rahm last year. Remember, last year was very difficult. Olympia Fields was very, very difficult. So John Rahm only scored 94 points in route to his victory last year. Now, both he and Dustin Johnson were very expensive. They finished 1-2. So together, let me get my calculator out. Together, they cost, uh, that would be 20, so 11000 for John Rahm plus 11500 for Dustin Johnson. Could we do the next guys plus 8500 plus 7100 I don't think we're going to get there. 8700 plus 75 No. Okay, so we got we to gotta figure this out here. So we got to get rid of probably... Okay, so Harmon. So here were the top scorers: Rom, Johnson, Hideki, Neiman, Finau, Kokrak. That was your top six. Now we got to get rid of probably. So we got sixty-two points from Harmon at sixty-nine hundred. He was probably in the optimal. And we, if we get rid of Finau, we might be able to do this. So let's do sixty-nine hundred. And again, there's a lot of other combinations here, but let's get rid of that. Seventy-five hundred, seventy-one hundred. 8,500, 11,000, and 11,500. Did I do it? No, I still didn't do it. All right. Well, I'm not going to spend all of our time here. Maybe it's maybe it's Harmon and Connors, and we get rid of Finau and Kokrak. That might do the trick. I don't know. But you can always go check it out for yourself, and I'll do a better job of archiving the uh, optimal lineups. John Jefferson says, Hey Rick, who do you like in a large field GPP between Sungjae and Connors? Big fan of your work. Thank you. I actually really like both of these guys. So Connors, um, you know, very much has flown under the radar this week. And if you're talking about a course that, you know, is longer and actually I want to look this up because I saw somebody say this, um, what does Connors actually do on long golf courses here? Again, let's, let's call it 7,400. Just, I don't know what we consider long here. Um, and I want to look at Corey Connors. Yeah, he's actually not bad. He's only got 50 rounds, but let's see. Northern Trust, T8, Olympics 13th. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open, 17th at the PGA. I mean, these are decent results, right? These are pretty decent results. So, um, and he has not, he's lost strokes one time since the 2020 Houston Open on courses that are 7,400 yards or longer. I mean, I think that's pretty interesting. Also, uh, I, I think that we just got, tired of backing Corey Connors. I've, I've given this take before. We just like stopped playing him for a reason that no one really knows about. He continues to pile up top twenties. I'm all good with that. Uh, the other thing about Sung Jay is if you talk about trajectory, Sung Jay is, uh, seemingly showing us that he's getting better every single week, getting better off the tee, getting better on approach. The putter's getting back to zero, which we want to see it cross over zero and get back to his baseline, which over four rounds is probably closer to a one. So he's only about 1.8 strokes off of getting back to his baseline with the putter. That's two lip outs going in, right? That's, that's not that big of a deal. So I think Sung Jay is very, very close. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to choose between them. I, I like them both quite a bit. 
Playing catch up on one and done. Scheffler or Maverick this week? Worried about Scotty on bank. I already talked about Scotty. Um, if you have to make up a lot of ground, I think you have to go with Maverick, unfortunately. It's more game theory now than it is about playing the best player. Any concerns about answer being driving distance seems to be a key here. Thought 40 to one was a decent number for him. Again, we can kind of continue to roll on this idea of uh, long golf courses and see how Abe answer actually does. Uh, remember he does gain strokes off the tee, but he does it in a very different way as everybody else. So let's see if I can find Mr. Answer here. Oh, okay. So here he is. He does. Okay. I mean, to finish second at quail, which gets, this is getting a lot of comps to quail, uh, T eight at the PGA championship. The thing, well, I guess, I guess the, the, the argument for answer is that uh, he does better. He does fine on long courses where the rough is penal. And I'm not sure we have that as much as I was hoping for this week. So yes, I think I do have concerns about answer. With a field this small, what would you set your player pool at? Um, this is my weekly opportunity and I don't want to uh, point you out because this is a common question. Uh, I can't answer this question for you. It is all about your risk tolerance. I like to keep my pool very small, but I understand the risk reward of that. A larger pool is going to allow you to spread spread things out. Um, maybe get more back in a in a you know get a little bit back as opposed to losing everything. I can't answer this question for you. Here's a question about Henley that I was looking for. Uh, do you think it's Henley is okay to fire up, or does he have the yips on the greens? I I don't think so. I think he's great to fire up. So. The argument or the, the the yips conversation comes back to the six strokes that he lost on the putting surfaces at the Northern Trust last week. The second worst putting performance of his career. Does it? Do you think he's gonna have a, a, the second worst putting performance of his career again? Probably not, considering the four measured events prior, he had gained strokes on the putting greens in every single one. Still an elite ball striker. I'm I'm stoked about Henley. Let's go fire him up. Hey, Rick, I'm, uh, BMW is my last event and one and done. And I'm in fourth, burned all my big dogs. Looking at Henley, English, Cam Smith, Burns, Lowry as my options. Who would you go with? Um, probably Henley or English is who I would go with. For Rick Run, good one and done. I have Bryson, Usti, English, Scheffler, and Cam Smith left. Who should I play this week? And do you think I hoarded too many players for the championship? Yes, you did. Uh, if you are still hanging on to Usti, who has been uh, one of the best players on tour this season. English, who has two wins and is in the top 10 of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Scheffler, uh, Cam Smith. Yeah, you've you've hoarded too many. Um, the way that I would do this. So because we use the starting strokes, you really, really need the guy who's going to be in the best position next week, which is probably at this point going to be Cam Smith. There's obviously going to be some, some shuffling around, but right now you might want to hang on to Cam Smith to see if he is the guy that is in the best position. You also might want to hang on to English because he could be that guy. And you also might want to hang on to Usti. So I think, I think you play Scheffler or Bryson. I think that's what you do and you choose which one. And then, and then for, I'm in for the tour championship. You pick whoever the best, whoever the guy highest in the FedEx cup standings is. Clark has a question about the one and done as well. Um, I'm using Cam Smith and Justin Thomas the next two weeks. Which guy would you play this week? And which would you say, Oh, uh, ooh, that's actually pretty tough because both of them are in the top five. So I don't think you can go wrong. I would probably save JT, but that's just me. Smash the like button says DSF DFS chef. Thank you. Does Bryson seem too cheap? Also using the Holy grail. A couple of cheaper options that show up are Gooch and Homa thoughts on them because seems like stars and scrubs. Um, yeah, pretty big fan of Gooch. I think Homa has been a little bit 
worse than the stretch that we got during the summer. And also he's been a little bit hard to predict at times. So I do like Gooch. I, I do think Bryson is, um, I do think Bryson's too cheap. In fact, I bet him, I bet him to win. We can, and we can, we can have that conversation here in a second. I'll, I'll flip over to that. Um, Bryson's results are a same way with Russell Henley are a lot worse than they actually were. I mean, to finish T26 at the U S open, remember he was literally in the lead with like eight holes to go. Um, so he played much better there, uh, did the same thing at, uh, was it Memphis where he kind of punted it away on, on Sunday a little bit. He just gets this like one, one shot or, or one hole that really just destroys him. And and then he just gives up. So I actually think he's been playing better than what his results indicate. Um, I really like him in this spot. Uh, and, and we can, and I can show you this, this tournament predictor tool. So I did not do a, a bets and one and done preview this week. So here's where I'm at. Uh, again, John Rom, I showed this earlier, won my simulation about 12.2% of the time. I have made four bets this week and they're all basically right next to one another. Uh, I bet Justin Thomas, I bet Brooks Kepka, I bet Rory McIlroy and I bet Bryson DeChambeau. Now, um, I got probably a lot better numbers than you guys got because, um, Bryson was, Bryson opened up at, uh, I think it was at circa at 35 to one and he got bet down to like 20 almost immediately. So I got, a, I got a 35. Um, the, the Kepka 25 number was a bit shocking to me. I tweeted that out on Monday or on Tuesday, uh, JT at 20 again, trending in the right direction. And then Rory, I'm, I'm a sucker for, I'm not ready to give up. So that's my card. And, and I don't usually take four guys that close to the top, but we are in a short field. These are guys that I think are mispriced and that's where I've gone. So again, Thomas Kepka, Bryson Rory rounds out my card. I will not make other bets. I can't, uh, it goes outside my system. If I started kind of making more bets, there are certainly guys I like, I like, but I just, I'm, I'm living with that card. Higgs or Swafford. I would go with Swafford. I have Xander Morikawa left. Any thoughts on a clear cut choice to use this week? Um, if you want to give Morikawa one more week to get right, I'd be okay with that and use Xander this week. Okay, so a couple questions about a new running a new model. So this is the custom model on uh, rickrungood.com, or maybe I didn't bring it up here. So I can run a new model for us now. So based on what I know now, I want to keep this again very, very recent. I'd I'd even I'd even maybe go twelve rounds, twelve to sixteen rounds, something like that. Um, I now think we have to really boost up distance when I was previously rewarding accuracy. So I'm going to do 25 on distance and 10 on accuracy, a little bit of a modified strokes gained off the tee. I think you're going to have to probably make a lot more birdies now. So let's go with 30 on birdie or better percentage and um, a little, a little taste. Well, no, I won't do that. Uh, We'll do 20 on strokes gained approach. That is always a very important metric that leaves me with 15, which I can put on putting because putting is kind of, a little bit, uh, you know, in line with with birdie or better percentage. And my top golfer, as to the surprise of no one, is John Rahm. EVR Eric Van Royen is second. He has been hot. He has been confident. M- Munoz, I think Munoz showed up on my um, my Monday or my. T- I'm going to say that every time. My Tuesday model and. I kind of like it. I've kind of grown on that over the course of the week. HV three is four. Cam Smith, Tony Finau, Johnny Vegas, Keith Mitchell, Cam Champ, Bryson. And again, that is a very, very small sample size. I did I did 12 rounds, but that's probably the way that I would run it out right now. Ownership projections. So let's see. Um, I have 
The highest projected owned player on the slate is, is Justin Thomas at 24%, John Robb 22, Rory at 21, Burns at 20, Bryson, Connors, and Cantlay, the only other three above 18%. <laughs> I don't know what this is in response to, but someone said, if you get a subscription, you can do as many models as you want yourself. That is also true. Uh, you can do that. For my core, pick the best pair. Spieth with Mickelson, without even looking at what the other pair is, um, I might just be blindly taking the other pair. Hideki and Harris is the other pair. Um, I think it's Hideki and Harris. I, I think that Phil is, we saw the outlier at the PGA Championship and he has not played well in the last 15 months outside of that event. And Jordan Spieth, as much as I love and as much as I could see him winning this week, I've I'm approaching with caution. I believe that his range of outcomes is uh, significantly larger than many of the others at the top. And if that's what you want, that's great. But I, I think in this case, it's Hideki and Harris. When does the new run good one and done start? There will not be a one and done. Apologies. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Thank you for all who participated on our end. Uh, it is a lot of work for my wife and I. It is something that we make no money on, which it's not all about the money. That's the reason we did not take a cut like every other one of your one and dones that you're probably in. And you might not even know that they're taking a cut of. We did not take a cut. Um, we just don't have the software in place. It's just, it's, it's a big hassle. And there are other sites that do it better. Um, I am trying so I'll just, I'll just out it right now because maybe you guys could go like DM JB and like send him a message. I'm trying to get carbon contests to start a new one and done, um, at, at the start of the season instead of starting it in January. And I've, and I've said, I'm happy to like promote it as much as possible and push people to it and all that stuff and provide data, like whatever. Uh, so if you're really interested in a one and done, this is kind of a dirty move. Go tweet at carbon contests and tell them you want a one and done that starts in September. JB's going to kill me. But, um, listen, I want it. I want it. I'm happy to promote it. Like I'll do, I'll do the best. I'll do the best that I can. Hey Rick, I'm in one and done. I'm in second. Three million behind. Ooh. I have English, Xander, Jordan, and Cantlay left. Which two do you prefer this week? You Oh, you have to pick two. Wait, you have to pick two? So you got to make up ground here. Xander and Jordan, right? And just hope you get... I talk about the range of outcomes. Hope you get the ceiling weeks. And then English and Cantlay are a little bit safer. Run them out next week. I'm cool with that. What would be your number one value play slash bet for someone to be in the top 10 value? Um, so I'll go further down the board. I would like to see what Henley's number is. I would also like to see what Lowry's number is. That's not bad either. If you want to go further, further down the board, I mentioned Cam Davis earlier. He has plenty of upside. Also, uh, Charlie Hoffman seems to be getting back to the good version of Charlie Hoffman. Hi, Rick. Who are the best putters on this surface that also have a good birdie or better percent? Oof. That is a question that is kind of in between two tools for me. So I could do the best putters uh, in general, not necessarily on the surface, that have a good birdie or better percentage. Or I could do the best putters on the surface, but not necessarily good birdie or better guys. Ooh. Let's do it this way. 
I'm I I'll, I'll have to whip up a tool to 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 answer that very very specific question. But let's do this. I'll do last uh, fifty rounds because putting's kind of you know whatever. I'll just sort by good putters and look at the birdie or better rates. Uh, so Sam Burns would be basically number one. He's a top six putter in this field, and he's one of the top birdie makers in this field. Cam Smith would be another. Jason Kokrak, although his putter has not been as good recently, and Jordan Spieth. Those would be um, those would be the ones that really stand out to me. What are the chances JT gets to 36 wins by the end of 2029? 2029, asking for a friend. I think your friend is Kyle Porter, and I think you listened to the first cut, so thank you very much for the support. Um, pretty slim. I mean, two and a half wins a year in the toughest, in the toughest era of golf that will only continue to get more difficult. I put it at like 9%. I've been overthinking this. Would it not be right to just go Rom and Bryson and get unique by throwing some darts in the 6K? You'll definitely be unique that way. That's cool. Rick, been away for a while. Stayed a subscriber. What happened to the beta optimizer? Love that tool. We talking about this? Nothing's nothing's been taken away. The uh, this is the the custom model, or there is actually a lineup optimizer which allows you to be even more flexible and load anything you want into it and write player rules and lineup rules. Nothing should have been taken away. It's just, it might've been renamed. I've renamed things uh, and I've moved it around, but it's all still there. Hey, Rick, favorite golfer under 7K and great content as usual. Thank you. Um, I think for the price, the min price Hudson Swafford thing where he's gained 12 and a half strokes ball striking last week. And at, at the min price, if he finishes, if he literally finishes T42 and makes an eagle, he's paid for himself. Um, so I think it's gotta be him. I've answered a lot of these. So I'm going to keep going. Henley. Yep. All good on Henley. Would you consider fading Usti after his quotes today? Again, I don't read too much into the quotes. Um, I, I am worried that he said, you know, the neck, the neck continues to bother him and that he actually had to not see him saying one thing and him actually not finishing the pro-am and only walking four holes is kind of different. That's more action speaking louder than words in the Rory situation. So uh, Usti wasn't going to make my player pool anyway, and um, I, I can't imagine it's going to happen again. Hmm. I, I spoke about my bets, so I'm going to skip that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't buy this whole, like many say not to buy a guy coming off a win thing. It's, golf is the only sport in the world in which we penalize the player who is the best in the world last week. And I get it. Golf is very mental. But at the same time, he's playing great. Um, if he finished second, wouldn't we love him this week? Right? Like, it's just, if, you're, if you want to play Tony, play Tony. Top five performing bent grass putters, asks Chris Roach. Well, uh, how far back do you want to go? Let's do it. Let's do... Let me clear this out, get answer out of here. We'll just click bent grass. We'll open up our greens, bent grass surfaces. Now this is kind of going to, this is going to be a little bit de uh, deceiving. So on bent grass, uh, dating back to basically every round that I have, uh, John Rahm is number one. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to go by putting my bad, my bad, my bad. Cam, da what? Cam Davis is number one. Look at this guy, Cam Davis. Oh God, I'm going to lose so much money on Cam Davis this week. Cam Davis has lost strokes putting on bent twice in his life. And he has gained in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight. Oh man, I'm going to lose so much on Cam Smith this week. Or Cam Davis. Sorry, Cam Davis. I'm saying Cam Davis. 
McNeely's up there. Noren's up there. Spieth is up there. English is up there. Wow. 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 Can we discuss how your player pool can vary in a GPP based upon normal size field tournament or no cut event? So, um, yeah, the chalky guys are getting chalkier when the fields get smaller. So you are uh, incredibly more incentivized to to play the barbells. And what I mean by that is um, either you like I would love it if you could tell me every single week all of my guys were going to be 22% owned or higher or like 6% owned and lower, I'd be thrilled because I have the good chalky guys who are probably chalky for a reason. Uh, and then also I have leverage on the other guys. I think the worst case scenario is you'd have like six guys all at 16%. You just have no leverage on anybody. So um, that's, and I just think it gets more important. Morikawa feels like a fade, but aren't these the weeks that he wins? So um, take this for what it's worth. And 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 the Morikawa thing is really, really fascinating because it's the first time in his career that he's lost strokes on approach in uh, three consecutive or zero or worse. Here is what my understanding of, okay, here's what was reported. Kyle Morikawa hurt his back in Tokyo. That's what was reported. The way that I understand that is Kyle Morikawa hurt his back in Tokyo. And while the back feels better, he actually uh, needed to adjust some of his fundamentals and change his swing a little bit so that it wasn't hurt. And now he's kind of stuck in that. Well, I know that he missed the cut at last, what was that at, at the Northern Trust? Yeah, missed the cut at the Northern Trust, so he has two extra days to get a little bit healthier. But I know he has a a a, a lesson coming up. He's spending time with his with his swing coach, and I think they get this all ironed out. I I believe Colin Morikawa, if you're willing to take on the risk in a DFS format, is easily the highest leverageable golfer in this field because he is going to be. I have about thirteen percent ownership. I bet you he comes in lower than that and also uh, has legitimate, obviously winning upside. So I- I'm, I'm much more bullish than I think most are. Oh, the next question is, sounds like you have some insider info on the Morikawa injury. Is that true or false? No comment. And will he be featured in your next round of golf vlog? Uh, no, but maybe at some point in the future. <laughs> um, that'd be pretty cool. Hey, Rick, leading one and done with starting strokes in play next week. Probably you saved too many guys. Yeah, you did. Oh, boy. Uh, you just have a lot of issues here. So you just got to hang on. You got to hang on to Cam Smith. You got to probably hang on to English. You have to play You have to play Burns or Bryson this week. And then whoever's the better one next week. Um, there is a comment in here that I'm pretty sure is just a wrong troll, but now I got to check it out. Yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. Hey, Rick, great content, brother. Thank you from South Africa. Oh, holding thumbs for you. Can you give me one player I can pile on for a top 20, except for Rom? Um, I would say, uh, if you want to go really deep, go for Hudson Swafford. He's like six to one. But if you want to go for a player who is going to give you a little bit of a better value, how about, um, I mean, Corey Connors is probably pretty good. Corey Connors just piles up top 20. It's all he does. It's all he does. And this is a pretty good setup for him.
Rick, my man, got a good feeling about Shane Lowry this week. Your thoughts? Yeah, he's been really good on approach. He's been horrible off the tee. I I, I don't mind him at all. Uh, Chris says, Rick needs more likes. Oh, thank you. Go ahead, hit the like button while you're there. I've answered a lot of these, uh, so I'm going to keep going here. Can you compare answer to Casey? I guess I can. In which way? Um, so let's just, I'll just, I'll just throw them up here. So answer Casey. I don't know what, I don't know what we want out of this and I got to get off bent grass. I think. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, this is, this is too broad of a question. I could go since like, since like April, I'm assuming you want something a little bit more recent. I mean, answer, how good is answer been? Answer is gaining a, um, 1.55 strokes uh, uh, total. Uh, Paul Casey's at 1.3. They do it a little bit differently, right? Answer's actually better off the tee, which is shocking because Casey hits it further. Casey much better on approach. Answer much better putter. I mean, Answer's just a much more well-rounded golfer. Um, I'm not sure how else you wanted, wanted them to compare. Sorry about that. Jay-Z is here. My main man, Slick Rick, running good and looking good. Oh, thank you. Sliding in to ask what you think of Paul Casey. Oh, here he is. Uh, want to play him, but worry he doesn't win much. Yeah, you and uh, you and just about everybody else, uh, Mr. J. He does not win that much. However, he doesn't rarely plays himself out of it. Right? He lost six and a half strokes putting at the Northern Trust. He's a bad putter, but not that bad. Um, you know the the top ten and top fifteen finishes that he's been piling up on. Look at look at the strengths of field. By the way, eight twenty eight. 727, 823, 865, 916. This dude plays a gauntlet schedule, a gauntlet schedule, and finds a way to finish with a ton of top 15, you know, results every single, every single year. So I do worry that his upside is capped because the putter is so horrific, but he's probably not going to burn you all that often. Can you do okay? A couple deep dives coming here. Carlos Ortiz. We've not talked about Carlos Ortiz seemingly in a long time. Let's see what he's up to. Not very good on bent. Usually very low owned. You'll get him at single digits. Hits it a lot further than I thought. 44th in distance. <coughs> Excuse me. Very inaccurate, but that might not be an issue if the rough is not penal. Let's look at his recent results. Not much to write home about here and losing in a different category seemingly every single week. That's hard to get excited about. He just he just looks like stuff. I mean, last start, loses on approach. Start before that, loses around the green and putting. Start before that, loses off the tee and on approach. Start before that, loses around the green, around the green and putting. Off the tee, putting. I just it's just it's something different every week. That's that's a little bit concerning. Uh here's the Munoz deep dive. You know, Munoz is indeed um, much more volatile, but there's a lot to like here. One, two, three, four, five, six events in a row, he's gained strokes off the tee. This is why he continues to pop up in the model. Uh, seven events in a row, he's gained strokes on approach. Again, why he continues to show up on the model. Um, the putter, you know, that can be troublesome for him, but at the same time, it can really be a weapon. I, I actually think uh, Munoz generally speaking, is, 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 is very underrated and underappreciated. I mean, this is a very good stat profile, at least in the last six or seven starts. There was uh, a time earlier in the year from, you know, kind of spring into the start of summer 
where where it wasn't very good. But this this is this is much much more impressive. I actually really really like the way he's trending, and it makes sense that when I shortened the time frame on these custom models, uh, Munoz was continuing to pop up. It would be great to add putting on all the different services to the custom model. I agree with you, Sid. Uh, it would be great to add a lot of different things, and they're coming. Uh, I've rolled out kind of new stats and new features and all that good stuff. The goal, the goal is to give you whatever the heck you want. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, don't make me get on a soapbox. 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 Who has the best proximity on a 200-yard par three? What happens at 201? What happens at 198? What happens at 197? What if it plays 195 one day and 205 the next? I hate that. I hate those stats. I don't hate you, David. I just hate the stat. Could you break down how you define a player who has, quote, paid for themselves? Oh, um, I think I think in terms of me saying that it is in, uh, I think I said in, in regards to Hudson Swafford, um, it's in, to me, that's in regards to, to value. So value, if you've never done this calculation, it is, uh, taking the salary for a player, dividing it by a thousand and then taking the fantasy points and dividing it by that number. So let me give you a couple of examples here. Um, I'll just show you, uh, like, let's just go John Rom, right? So John Rom, and let me get off BMW. I just want to see John Rom's logs here. And I'll go recently because he's been the man. Okay. So John Rom at the Northern Trust gained, or excuse me, earned 124 DraftKings points, and he was 11,500. So for every $1,000 of salary that you spent on John Rom, you got 10.7 DraftKings points back in return. That's a value calculation. So John Rahm, on average, provides 7.7 times value. So if he's $10,000, on average, he would, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this, but uh, would score about 77 DraftKings points. Um, Now, the more expensive a golfer is, the harder it is to kind of get over that ten dollar, that ten times mark. That ten times mark is is kind of what I go with. Now, you you mostly only see that for cheaper golfers. So let's do Sam Burns because I bet you he has some really volatile weeks. Yeah. So Sam Burns the last two weeks returned ten times value and sixteen times value, but then he went for six, nine, three, six, zero. I think he withdrew after five holes on that one. But 12, 17, 10, 11. So. For me, the lower price guys, uh, anything over 10 times uh, value would be great. And then as you start getting more expensive, you could probably get away with eight or nine times. Like if John Rahm returned eight or nine times value this week, you'd probably be really, really good. Now, the uh, so the argument for Hudson Swafford is, um, okay, if he is if he is $6,000, what, what does he need? If he returns 10 times value, that's 60 DraftKings points. Can Hudson Swafford return 60 DraftKings points? Well, Last week, he scored 98 and a half. The week before that, he scored 72. Obviously, these are completely course-dependent and scoring-condition-dependent, but last two weeks, 16 and 11, 5-3, the two starts before that, 14, 8, and 9 before that. So that, that's that's what I mean. I could go down a rabbit hole, but that's what I mean. If you could only pick one for a single entry, would you go Henley or Kokrak? Probably Henley. The Kokrak stuff's a lot of red flags. Uh, I guess we have time for this. I mean, I guess you have time for whatever. It's my, it's my YouTube channel. Like, do whatever. Um, who was it? Coke rack. So 
I love that Kokrak is going to be very low owned this week, but this is a profile that screams to me red flags. Um, to lose strokes off the tee when you are ranked 22nd off the tee this year and to lose strokes in three straight is scary. To lose strokes on approach in three straight when you're ranked 64th on tour this year is scary. So to putt, to lose in, in three of four with the putter when you're ranked eighth on tour in putting this year is scary. And the around the green game always stinks. So this is basically four huge red flags for me, um, which is like three red flags too many. Whoops, I lost my spot. Let me see if I can get back. To, oh, I think I can get back to it. Best round one players in the field. Oof, that's an easy one. All right, so we'll go to strokes game by tournament. We'll open this up to the biggest time frame possible. We'll get all the golfers in there, and we will click on round one. And we will see that, of course, it's John Rahm. Scotty Scheffler, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy. Sergio Garcia usually gets out hot. Patrick Cantlay gets out hot. Keegan Bradley. There's a name you probably expected to show up there. Rick, any love for Phil or am I just crazy? You are just crazy. Love the content, Rick. Season-long fantasy. Who are your top six? Um, kind of depends on what your format is. Uh, but generally speaking, the guys who are really good who play a lot, like Justin Thomas, I think is really... I, I don't think he's really good, but he... Uh, without looking, I feel like he plays more than others and he plays like some of those like weaker field events where he's going to be the only guy in the field. So he would probably be in there. Spieth does the same thing. He goes and plays the Texas events. So he's going to like be the odds on favorite there. Guys that get a knocker like Patrick Cantlay, who doesn't play a whole lot. Um, trying to think who else would be really good. It's the big name players, but then you got to consider how often they're playing. Rick, I don't get why a distance question bothers you. Aren't strokes gain stats by nature flawed since there are so many factors not accounted for? The amount of data eventually tell tells close to the correct story. No. So, uh, yes and no. There are flaws with every single golf stat. There are way less flaws on strokes gained than, um, than any other stat. It is by far, by far, by far the best stat that we have. The bucket stats, um, proximity from 75 to 100 yards, 100 to 125 yards, all of that, uh, not only do they have the same flaws that strokes gain does, which is they don't account for anything else, but they're also arbitrary numbers that are set up by humans to create stats. Why 200? Why not 203? Why not 207? Why are they... Why are they 50 yard buckets and not a hundred yard buckets or 72 and a half yard buckets. Uh, there's no thought process into if, if you could argue that if the buckets were even quadrants, it would be better right of, of the, of how many, of how many shots are coming from each one of those ranges, but then you'd have to do that per player. So really each player should have their own buckets. Um, I, I just, I just think that they are, infinitely more flawed and they are also infinitely more talked about than they should be. Uh, the same thing goes for par fours between 400 and 450 yards. Who cares? Why did we pick those? And what happens when it plays different? There are so many players I can show you examples of that are really, really great in one bucket and the worst on tour in the other bucket. It's not because a three yard difference. They don't know how to play. It's because the stats are terrible and they're super noisy. So um, that's the soapbox. You asked for it. I just think they are incredibly flawed and people treat them as uh, gospel and they should not. 
What has happened to Schwartzel? I have no clue. Um, yeah, here's another like shock of the century, right? So the guy is absolutely rolling. He's one of the he's just driving it beautifully for for eight starts in a row and then literally loses 10 strokes over two over four rounds. It's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to do. Um the good news, I'm I'm happy that after the Wyndham, he bounced back with the putter because that was something that he had recently found gains with. So I, I think he is, I don't want to say closer than it appears, but uh, it, it's it's really strange. I would almost be willing to take a flyer that he figures it out just because the 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 weeks, it's it's almost, it's it's hard to be this bad for two rounds. That's why. Assuming no injuries at all, who would you pick between Brooks and Morikawa on DraftKings? Well, they're within $200. They're within a couple of percentage points. Um, if I know no injuries, I think Morikawa, I, I, I know Morikawa would be 100% engaged for the entirety. I cannot say that about Brooks Kepka. So probably Morikawa. Is Sung Jay your favorite play in the 8K range? I think it's definitely valuable that he's, you know, a flat $8,000. Um, is he my favorite play? Scotty Scheffler might be my favorite play. He's definitely top three, top two or three in the 8K range. Are you going to be under or over the field on JT Cantlay Connors? Uh, probably, well, I've bet JT, so I don't necessarily have to be um, as overweight on him in, in fantasy format. So I'll probably be underweight on JT Cantlay and overweight on Connors. Pat and Kazire. I saw a couple questions about him. Let's just do a quick Pat and Kazire dive, and then we can all go eat lunch or do whatever we're getting back to, getting back to work. I don't know. It's four o'clock for some of you guys. Um, let's see. Here's Kazire. And Kazire is, um, I don't want to say blessed with upside, but kind of blessed with a little bit of upside here. Very, very volatile. So you look back at the two third place finishes, then he goes three missed cuts in a row, then he goes two top 25s, and it's been kind of wacky since. The unfortunate thing for him is he's kind of lost this putter a little bit. You know, he was 25th on tour in strokes gained putting, and he was really on a great run from the Honda to the Memorial, and we, we're not anywhere close to that right now. And that's kind of a concern because the rest of his game isn't strong enough to really pick up pick up on it. Um, Finau or Bryson better finish? I guess uh, Finau would be safer. Bryson would be the more volatile option, so... In a head-to-head -head situation, I guess I got to go with Finau just straight up. But um, comes with comes with Bryson might just win this golf tournament, and steal this whole darn thing away from you. Okay, I think that'll do it. This week's uh, uh, what is this live chat brought to you by our friends over at Jock Market. There is another eight. There is another uh, live chat tonight, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern time. It's the Power Hour. That is uh, all things stock market DFS. Thank you for tuning in. Always my favorite hour of the week. Hit the like button on your way out. Enjoy the rest of the, your day. Pet your dogs. Good luck. I'll talk to you guys soon.